G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. Dr. Mark Jury, who's a theologian and a human rights activist, is also an Anglican pastor and is an adjunct research fellow at the Centre for the Study of Islam and Other Faiths at the Melbourne School of Theology. And uh, you might be aware that there was a press conference earlier today, the Prime Minister, the Attorney General and the Foreign Minister are talking about changes, taking the racial discrimination laws off the table, those that were set to be 18C in the Racial Discrimination Act. Mark Jury, welcome to 2020. Uh, Thanks. Great to be with you, Neil. Mark, this particular uh, issue here, uh, interesting for you, and you're often uh, asked to comment on uh, issues like this when it comes to the way that religions in Australia interact with one another. Uh, What were your thoughts uh, when you heard that these uh, these issues were taken off the table? I think it's been a very divisive issue uh, in the Australian community, and... I think part of the reason is there's a lot of confusion about what should actually prohibited, be prohibited when it comes to racist behaviour and what are the boundaries of acceptable behaviour. I think this is really uh, probably a direct result of the increased anxiety about what's happening in the Middle East and the fact that a significant number of Australians are involved as combatants uh, for radical Islamists and the government is needing to put a lot of effort into trying to contain... Um, the threat of radicalisation in Australia connected to these people. And so they need the Muslim community on side at the moment. So um, this is a, um, it's just easier to take this off the table. The, the security issues they're facing are greater. Um, so it's disappointing in the sense that um, there's been a number of cases where uh, when Western societies have felt, felt threatened by radical Islam, um, that they've made kind of implicit concessions or back down on on issues of freedom in other respects in order to make it the issue easier to manage so i think that's uh, that's troubling and if it's going to be the longer term trend um uh, so i was i was concerned to hear but not not all that surprised really well the prime minister has called it a complication when it comes to the relationship with the australian muslim community is this a a short-term band-aid on that relationship that may well cause some issues at a later time when it comes to freedom of speech the ability to be able to have your say yeah i think it's um a kind of appeasement really what's happened uh, the that law is really not focusing on religious incitement but on racial incitement, but it does help establish a climate in which um, it's illegal to offend, and that's that's not a good way forward. I think other other jurisdictions have found those laws really problematic, so I think it's a bad... Um, it sets up an expectation. It's a bad precedent. It sets up an expectation that if people feel insulted or offended, they should have some legal recourse, and that... I think in the long term incites conflict uh, between religious groups. It's, it certainly was the case with the anti-incitement legislation in Victoria. A lot of 
developed in the Victorian community when um, the Islamic Council of Victoria decided to use that that law to silence uh, some Christian pastors in their criticism of Islam. Now, this is these are race laws rather than religious incitement laws, but um, I think in the long term it, it won't be helpful. It's politically expedient, but it's an un, not a good outcome for, for Australia. It's an interesting thing that happens there, isn't it, when you've got this confusion between race and religion, because uh, oftentimes that confusion uh, isn't uh, isn't clear in the minds of people who are listening in when there are accusations made one side against another, because race is often confused with religion, but we need to keep those things separate. They are very different, and... A religion is, is um, it includes issues of identity, but it also is about truth claims and moral and ethical claims. And we need a level of freedom to critique religious views that's um, much significantly higher than, say, for views about race and construction of race. But the, the one of the problems is religious illiteracy in our society. So people don't understand religions very well. They don't understand how they're constructed. They they just regard religion as a kind of racial identity, um, or they conflate it with that. I think the Jewish community is not very strong on the difference between race and uh, religious identity because those two tend not to be so clearly distinguished for for Jewish people, and and they have been strong advocates uh, for this law. So, um, yeah, there is a there is quite a lot of confusion around these areas. But what we've seen, for example, with the Victorian Racial and Religious Tolerance Act, is that anti-racism frameworks tend to be extended uh, to apply to religious issues um, without much real critical thought. And that, that's, a, that's a concern if, if the, the bar for um, unlawful behaviour with regard to race is so low as 18C sets it, then that also creates a, an environment where um, similar laws might be enacted for religious to, to control religious speech. Is it fair to say that when the Attorney-General, George Brandis, first flagged the idea of uh, taking those racial discrimination laws off the table, uh, that you thought that was a pretty good thing? Uh, and and, and I, I hear what you're saying. It probably would be still good if those things remained on the table, but uh, the fact that they're coming off uh, is, isn't the end of the world. Well, I think it was a good thing. He wasn't actually taking them out completely he was replacing them with much more clearly defined anti-vilification laws where there was a where incitement to hatred and physical fear of physical harm was being made unlawful and that w- would have been a good move it would have made the law um i think much more targeted and, and, and more useful uh less a source of conflict in the australian community um i think i think it's a bad move but i, I can understand the pressure the government is under they want to be seen to be doing something to get support from the Muslim community. I suspect the Muslim community has been saying, you know, things like, um, you know, we know there's an issue with these radicals, but, you know, uh, the government is, is uh, you know, taking away protection in this law and that's causing more unsettlement in the community. It's not helpful to have this. So they're coming under under pressure, really, uh, to appease uh, the, the the Islamic interests in order to deal with the the very serious problem of um, of jihadi violence. 
Mark Jury, let me bring into our conversation the guest that we had scheduled for today and we were going to be talking about charities laws and we still will uh, a little later in our conversation this hour. But Mark Fowler is a Christian lawyer. He's the chair of Clear International Australia. That's the body that's uniting the Christian law societies around Australia, different law societies in different states, uh, uniting together, involved in all sorts of things, including mission to uh, Africa. And uh, Mark's also uh, a PhD candidate. And one of the issues that he's talking about uh, in his uh, in his thesis that he'll be writing is uh, religious freedom and uh, issues to do with charities. Mark, welcome to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Good to be here. Mark, when you uh, hear uh, Mark Jury's response, and uh, you, of course, are aware of what's been happening with this press conference uh, earlier today, the uh, those laws being taken off the table, uh, what are your feelings? Uh, I think there may be some uh, overlap between Mark's comments and, and my own, but I think it's good to um, possibly to come back to why this has caused such concern in the community. And, and let's start with a bit of an analysis uh, for the listeners, I think, on exactly what is being proposed here. So 18C says of the Racial Discrimination Act, as the point has been made, this is not religious vilification issues. This is about race. It's an offence to offend, so it's a prohibition or an offence of the law, to offend, insult, intimidate or humiliate a person on the basis of their racial identity. So that's, that's the current law, and it is the law that will now stay. The proposal, Brandis' proposal, was that instead of that, that uh, section would be repealed, and instead it would be an offence to vilify or intimidate a person on the basis of their racial identity. And as, as Mark just put a moment ago, vilify means to incite, incite hatred, and intimidate is to cause fear of physical harm. So why I think – so that's, that's what is on the table here. That's what's now been uh, put off. One of the concerns that was, um, that was really motivating, I think, Brandis, thinking, and you might remember that he classically said, in Australia, everyone should have the right to be a bigot. And that was a, a, a most unfortunate way to define the debate. Uh, this is not about the right to bigotry. It's about the right to freedom of speech. And uh, I think the new Freedom Commissioner, Tim Wilson, has, has come out very strongly on this in favour of the proposal now abandoned. But um, I think it's, it's caused, in some sense, it's actually been quite insightful for, um, for our national story, I think, in many senses, because um, it has garnered a lot of opposition, particularly from uh, religious minorities, and as Mark said, including... Uh, the Jewish community, including the Islamic community. And I think it really speaks to our national project of multiculturalism, in a sense. How do we do this great task that we've set out on um, multiculturalism? How do we integrate all of these different communities and persons from different racial backgrounds into the great you know, story that it is to be an Australian? Uh, this is what's on, at stake, I think, and that's why I think it's garnered so much interest. And of course, when we say those that word multiculturalism, uh, sometimes there's the idea that uh, that what we're really talking about is multi ethnicities, and mm. multiculturalism often means uh, the multi religious uh, status of Australians. And Mark Jury, uh, interested in your comments too, because uh, uh, every now and then we 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 hear about multiculturalism, and then uh, there's a sometimes a better way to re- refine our talking about that talking about multi ethnicities because. Because uh, where we've got multiculturalism, we've got this sort of battle of religions, haven't we? Well, I think 
religions have very different worldviews and they have different moral worldviews. And um, it's one thing to say that we enjoy cultural diversity, but it's another thing to manage the very different truth claims and moral claims, even legal claims that different religions make in our community. I think there's, we're caught in Australia between two emotions. One is that we really like the multicultural environment. Many, many do the diversity. They like the diversity of food and differences. They're accepting of it and welcoming of it. The other, on the other hand, we're deeply anxious about the implications of uh, incompatible worldviews, particularly um, Islamic radical worldviews. We don't know how to manage that. Um, and uh, one response to manage that is to um, damp down speech so that people will not incite conflicts between groups. So I think that this law is a, itself a, a reflection of fear. And um, the, the, the 18C was really a reflection of anxiety. Mm. Uh, one of the, the, the great difficulties I had with it is that um, to make it illegal to offend someone or insult someone is very subjective and, and mm. people have very mm. different levels of um, susceptibility to be offended. You know, one group is, has a hair-trigger response to insult or offence, another is a thick skin. And to have a law um, to make it illegal to cause someone to be offended, I think, is... Uh, is kind of um, almost a recipe for, for conflict and, and, and disaster, really. So I think it's a bad way to manage the inherent tensions within multiculturalism. I think uh, we need to, in a way, we do need a national debate about our national values and, and whether, for example, Sharia law is an acceptable uh, trajectory for our society and how we're going to resist the pressure uh, from some groups to, to impose their own... Um, worldview under the guise of a multicultural tolerance and but we're anxious about that we're anxious about um conflicted responses we're anxious about the history of anti-semitism in the 20th century um there's just a lot of a lot of it's quite a stressful issue for us so it's not going to go away these these issues will continue to be significant in the future it's just that right now our focus is on the middle east and the very extreme forms of religious intolerance that have been manifested there. Yes, well, let me ask you, uh, Mark Jury, first, and I'll get Mark Fowler's uh, comment as well. When you've got uh, anti-bigotry laws, uh, there is a, a sense, isn't there, that one side of an argument can use those laws as a weapon against the other. Uh, and we've seen this happen in in previous times, uh, various uh, examples. But uh, is that a risk that those sorts of uh, challenges and engagements would be something that we would expect to see continuing, Mark? Look, there is a risk. Um, a, a sort of um, an anti... Uh, there's, there's a fear of a chilling effect that people will not speak out robustly because they're worried that people, others will... Um, take them to court, seek civil damages against them. There are exceptions in the law. Uh, if, if things are done reasonably in good faith for scientific interests or academic purposes, um, but it, it can be very complicated to argue those exceptions and, and um, highly subjective as well. And that's, that's really the... Um, so inevitably it does cause uh, a chilling effect on public speech to have those laws. Mm. And Mark Fowler, that would be something. Yeah. Look, one of the things that Tim Wilson has been uh, a somewhat strong advocate on in this debate is coming back to the, um, the theories of John Stuart Mills in that 
uh, individuals within a community, the whole community benefits if there is a level of free speech which allows bigots to express their bigoted opinions and everybody else to challenge those bigoted opinions and show them to be untruthful and illegitimate. So there's a concern that if these kind of, uh, you know, if they're not put to the test, if they're not subject to challenge, will they go underground? And this is one of the concerns. We do want to have a level of free speech in our community where each citizen has the right to exercise their own, um, you know, intellectual academic engagement with what they hear and assess that for their own truth and to have it called out by themselves so if we aren't allowed to, and I think this was part of the issue of 18C, the test is whether you offend someone or whether you insult them. And the proposal was instead the kind of background that Mark just referred to, anti-Semitism in the past, the, the issue of inciting hatred or causing fear of physical harm. Some of the history of, of, the, of the last century, the concerns that were raised. Some of the Brandis proposals reflected a concern about that kind of uh, uh, commentary that might actually lead to hatred being incited against a group. So that was preserved under the um, proposal. And, and so this is the issue. If I have a stupid idea, if I put it out into the marketplace, someone should be able to challenge me about that and ask me to respond. If I don't have, if my listeners don't have the opportunity to hear my stupid idea, how do they then, if they might be inclined towards it, how do they uh, get an opportunity to hear it challenged? They don't. And that's part of the concern. And, and I guess you don't necessarily want uh, your stupid idea to be uh, highlighted and then uh, responded to with a whole lot of legal action. Uh, yes. Because that's what uh, what's what we perhaps are in for all the more yes, uh, right. if these laws stay the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Jury, uh, there's been a number of church leaders uh, who have perhaps been making uh, opinions. I'm, I'm aware of the Uniting Church. Uh, they've welcomed the uh, withdrawal of those, uh, those uh, changes to the racial discrimination Act. Uh, that's the Uniting Church President, the Reverend Professor Andrew Dutney. Uh, he says it's a positive outcome for our democracy. Um, are you aware of any other uh, church responses at all, Mark Dury? I, I aren't. I, I'm not aware of other, other responses today. I mean, the Uniting Church always takes a very progressive or um, kind of left-wing orientation. That's, it's got, can be relied upon to, to uh, react in that, in that way. One thing they did bring out, uh, which was quite interesting, is that racism is a sin. Uh, is that uh, is that the way we ought to look at racism? It, it's a sin to hate people, and mm. uh, but there is no law against hatred in our society. You, you can't legislate against people's emotions. Um, so, you know, they're they're conflating um, different issues. It's a command to love each other, but you can't make it illegal not to love people. Um, the issue is really how do we manage um, behaviour that incites harm against religious and, and racial groups. And I think the government really badly mismanaged the, trans- the, the, the transition to a revised form of the law. They, um, Instead of emphasising the clarity that they were seeking to bring, um, they made you know the statement such as, you know, everyone has a right to be bigger. It's very misleading. So... Mm-hmm. I think the whole process has been mismanaged quite early on, and uh, I hope that later down the track the law will be changed. Probably it'll take another bold case for, it to, for that to happen. Um, there needs to be a level of pain in the community to initiate another process, but uh, it is a bad law, and inevitably I think 
uh, it will come under scrutiny again. So expect more challenges and more pain for the Christian community in times to come as a result of these changes today. Uh, but uh, look, great to have your insights. Uh, Dr. Mark Jury, theologian, human rights activist, adjunct research fellow at the Centre for the Study of Islam and Other Faiths at Melbourne School of Theology. Uh, Mark, uh, great having you on 2020 once again. I really appreciate your insights. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Neil. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.